We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app the numbers are so large we have almost become numb to them in new york state alone more than 6,500 people died in nursing homes from covid19 That's fully a quarter of all of the deaths in this pandemic here in New York in nursing homes. Some people believe the real number is actually higher. There's no reason why why so many people had to die and suffer. This week on 880 In-Depth, why was this allowed to happen? What are the problems? What were they before COVID? How have they been made worse by COVID? And... What policies and and funding do we need to change uh, to make things better when when this epidemic is over and to be more prepared for the next one? I'm Tim Sheld from WCBS News Radio 880, and this is. 880 in depth. I don't see how you look at those numbers and conclude anything less than thousands of people will pass away. Because remember who it's attacking. It's attacking the vulnerable. And coronavirus in a nursing home can be like fire through dry grass. It is perhaps the top headline in the pandemic legacy in New York how cruel it has been to the elderly and especially those living in nursing homes and long term care facilities. Among the reasons we have heard, staff shortages, lax government and health department oversight, a lack of personal protective equipment, and early on, asymptomatic nursing home staffing moving freely throughout these facilities before we even knew the pandemic was upon us. Um, You know, it it was essentially a disaster waiting to happen. And Richard Mollett, the executive director of the Long-Term Care Community Coalition, has grave concerns about conditions in some of these homes even today. The Department of Health hasn't been really going in. The family members aren't allowed in. Uh, the long-term care ombudsmen have not been allowed in. And that there's no one minding the store. More from our conversation with Richard Mollett coming up later. But first... In just a few short days, the health committees of the New York State Senate and Assembly will hold hearings on the pandemic and specifically on the terrible toll it has taken on nursing home residents. And you can be sure that there will be much discussion about that March 25th State Health Department directive for nursing homes to take in recovering COVID-positive patients to clear hospital beds to make room for more critically ill patients. 
But these hearings will tackle a wide range of issues about how the state handled the pandemic. We got a full briefing on the hearings when our Peter Haskell spoke to New York State Assemblyman Richard Gottfried. The New York Democrat heads the Assembly Health Committee. Well, the Assembly and Senate Health Committees will be holding hearings in August on uh, nursing homes, home care, and adult homes, and how COVID-19 has affected them, and most importantly, what we can learn for the future. You know, the problems that we've seen in nursing homes and other places uh, from COVID uh, have really been there uh, for years, if not decades. COVID has really shined a light on them and made a lot of those problems a lot worse. But there are problems that have been there for a long time, and particularly in our nursing homes. For years, we have had uh, staffing shortages, uh, nursing homes not hiring enough people to properly care for their residents, and the health department's inspection staff uh, has, for years, uh, been understaffed, and the department's attitude towards enforcement of safety and health requirements in nursing homes uh, has been very weak. And, you know, we, I think that has made the situation in our nursing homes with COVID uh, a lot worse. So what we need to learn is what are the problems? What were they before COVID? How have they been made worse by COVID? And what policies and, and funding do we need to change uh, to make things better when, when this epidemic is over and to be more prepared for the next one? When you look at staffing, how did that contribute to the problems in nursing homes? Well, particularly when you've got residents who have who are ill, uh, they need a lot more care. That means more hours of time from nurse aides and nurses. Uh, most of our nursing homes have uh, very have have shortages of nurse aides and very severe understaffing of actual nurses. Uh, and so it makes it hard to isolate patients who need to be isolated, hard to give them special care, hard to accommodate visiting when you're trying to do uh, physical distancing and separating. Um, all of that takes more staff, takes more care, more attention to detail, and our nursing homes just don't have that staffing, and many of them have just not been operating with an ethic of the level of, of care and attention uh, that nursing home residents need. And, and I put that lack of good attitude largely uh, at the feet of the health department because the health department has been very lax in, uh, in finding violations and imposing serious penalties. And when you do that, people slack off. It's human nature. That March 25th nursing home directive will definitely be a big part of the hearing.
A state report released two weeks ago suggested that the directive was not the root cause of the spread of COVID or the deaths. The report, which has its detractors, lays out a scenario that suggests the biggest impact in these nursing home deaths was actually asymptomatic staff working among patients without proper PPE and likely before we knew how serious the pandemic was. We asked Assembly Health Committee Chairman Gottfried what role he thought the directive played in all of this. I think not as, not as significant as many people think. Uh, you know, the, the health department could have made it clearer, but technically they were telling nursing homes to accept post-hospital patients if they were able to properly care for them. Uh, which would mean proper separation for a period of time, proper care, etc. It also appears, and and this is not, I guess there is still an open question medically, but it appears that when someone is leaving the hospital uh, from from a COVID-19 episode, they are actually at that point uh, hardly uh, contagious at all. People are mostly contagious uh, early after infection and generally before they even show, show symptoms. You know, it's like, you know, when a child develops spots for measles, by the time the spots have shown, it's too late to keep your child away from the other kids because your child was most contagious before the spots appeared. Uh, as I re- recall, once the spots are there, uh, contagiousness is very low um, and it's much the same with with COVID-19 once someone is on their way to the hospital they are a lot less contagious than they have been and when they're coming home they appear to be really at the low point of being contagious whether they are at zero contagiousness I think we don't know but uh, you know a hospital bed is very expensive and certainly at the high point of of the epidemic they were in very short supply and so if a person could be safely cared for at home even if that home is a nursing home there was logic to doing that um so the the order was um i think was was not as significant as as many people think or as or as much of a problem as many people think uh the more serious problems i think are are the understaffing and and the lax enforcement attitude by the health department let me ask you this the state did an investigation it found that the virus for the most part was brought to these nursing homes by staffers and visitors do you accept that uh, th- that's probably true. Um, some of it may have been brought in by a newly arriving resident. Uh, I mean, it had to come into the building from somewhere. It didn't spring up uh, from the floorboards. Uh, and, you know, a lot of nursing home employees are from the economic and, and, uh, and demographic parts of our population that have been hardest hit. And so it's no surprise that a lot of them came to work 
when they didn't know they were infected yet uh, because they didn't have symptoms yet, uh, but were very contagious. Uh, and I don't think I don't think that's the fault of the workers. Uh, it's it's just the the medical science of it. Uh, you know, it's part of the problem of people living in a in a congregate environment like a nursing home, particularly people who are uh, who are elderly and and have underlying conditions. Uh, but it it would have been less severe with better staffing, better enforcement, uh, and faster response. There are other states like Connecticut and Massachusetts and Florida. They sent COVID patients from hospitals to separate facilities that so patients with COVID were segregated. Is that a better mm-hmm. idea? Uh, certainly separating as far as I know, and you know, I'm, I'm by training a lawyer, not a doctor, but it would seem to me that separating COVID patients uh, effectively uh, is very important. Whether that means putting them in a completely separate building or putting them in a, in a separate wing with uh, limited access, et cetera, um, you know, is you know, maybe largely a question of architecture. Uh, if you're a large nursing home, it's probably easier to to have a wing or a floor uh, that is separated off for COVID patients. I know the state was looking for facilities that could be used for that and was having a, a difficult time uh, finding them. Uh, it would also mean saying to nursing home X, we want you to be COVID only. We want you to empty out everybody else. Uh, that could be very difficult and disruptive and uh, and damaging to the health of frail patients. You talked about the fact that there are typically staffing shortages at a lot of these places. You have nursing homes that accepted COVID-positive patients because they get paid for those patients. Do you think that was a significant factor or was just was that just secondary? I find it hard to see that as a, as a significant factor. Uh, yes, they get paid if they house a COVID-19 patient, uh, but they get paid by Medicare in some cases and Medicaid in most cases uh, for any patient that they take in. And COVID patients are especially expensive to treat because uh, they require a lot more staffing. So I think the notion that nursing homes were eagerly snapping up COVID-19 patients uh, for financial reasons to me doesn't make sense. By the way, if you know if a nursing home gets written up in the local paper as having uh, a large number of residents who died from COVID or who or who had COVID or ended up going to the hospital, that that's really bad for that nursing home's reputation and and for their future. So I I find it hard 
to accept the idea that nursing homes were, were you know, looking to take in COVID patients. So when these hearings open early next month, should we expect to hear from the upper levels of state government? I, we certainly want to hear from high-ranking people in the health department, and I expect that we will. Uh, I have no reason to think that the commissioner and others in the department uh, wouldn't feel it's their responsibility and even an opportunity uh, to come and tell their story. They'll get a lot of hostile questions, but you know they're used to that. They're grown-ups. They can take it. Um, you know, I always say I don't mind hostile questions as long as people don't throw things at me, um, and I can assure them that nobody will throw things at them. Um, but we really want to hear from people in the industry from people in the unions representing nursing home workers, and we want to hear from family members and advocates for nursing home residents. Uh, And those are are really the most important people uh, to hear from, in my view. The state did its report. The governor is a Democrat. Here a Democrat, both houses of the legislature are controlled by Democrats. Do we need an independent probe into what happened here? Well, it's yes, we do, and it's not so much a question of political party. Uh, it's that you you can't really expect uh, a good investigation or analysis to be done by the government itself or by uh, people who are very close friends of, of, of the governor. Uh, and the governor is very fond of appointing people who are very close friends uh, to serve on commissions and things. Um, I believe we need in New York uh, an independent, multidisciplined, very broad and thorough analysis of the whole epidemic situation, uh, I'd like to see it organized and, and funded by some of our independent foundations and staffed uh, primarily uh, by academics, by people from our schools of public health and uh, economics departments. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Bill Hammond from the Empire Center, who is one of this one of New York's most very conservative uh, commentators, uh, had an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal calling for exactly that. And when I read that, it was like, oh my God, he and I are thinking exactly the same on this. Looking forward and going ahead, a potential second wave some of the same circumstances perhaps that we saw the first time around. What are your biggest concerns about nursing homes? My biggest concern about nursing homes going forward is that we will we will not have quickly learned the lessons from the first round. Uh, that there will not be funding for adequate staffing and for PPE and proper 
separation of patients and 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 care uh, for patients. Uh, I hope we will learn that there are ways to enable family members to safely visit their loved ones and that there are ways to safely have the long-term care ombudsman program uh, get back to being in constant touch with nursing home residents and their families uh, to help solve problems. Uh, It's really important that we pay attention to those lessons very quickly because it looks like the next time uh, could be, you know, in months or weeks. Richard Mollett works for the nonpartisan, not-for-profit organization, the Long-Term Care Community Coalition. It's a national organization headquartered here in New York, dedicated to improving the quality of care at nursing homes and assisted living facilities. We asked him about that figure of 6,500 nursing home deaths from COVID here in New York. Well, uh, I mean, obviously it's, 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 it's horrifying to have that number of deaths, but one of my biggest concerns is I think it's a significant understatement. Um, you know, one, the, the reporting mechanisms are were just not very good. We didn't get reporting or start getting reporting till late. It doesn't include anyone who was a resident but who died in the hospital or on the way to the hospital. Um, so that is very concerning. And I think perhaps most of all is, uh, or as much, it is that it doesn't include residents who have died and are dying now of neglect. And, and that's what we've been hearing uh, a lot about since mid-May, oh, excuse me, mid-April, actually. Uh, it, it, it kind of, the tide turned in mid-April, I remember, and the calls, the emails that we were getting became much more about, uh, my mother is, is dehydrated, my mother has edema, uh, my mother is listless and non-responsive. Um, I'm worried. I'm worried that she's lost a lot of weight. Those kind of things. That that that, that my mother's not getting help going to the bathroom. Uh, things that that. Uh, so so we think that there's been we we know that there's been you know a lot of a lot of neglect, uh, a lot of substandard care, and that no one has come in. You know the Department of Health hasn't been really going in. The family members aren't allowed in. And the long-term care ombudsmen have not been allowed in, and that there's no one minding the store. Why is this? Why is there this neglect? Uh, well, the, you know, nursing homes, as I think you know, a lot of people uh, feel, you know, they would rather die than go to a nursing home. I mean, nursing homes have, unfortunately, a well-deserved, um, not all of them, but most of them, well-deserved reputation for not being good places to live or to get care. Uh, we have really good standards of care in this country, but in the absence of enforcement, there it's just a paper tiger. They're not they're not meaningful. So you know we had uh, you know really good uh, we have really good standards about having enough enough staff uh, about having good infection control protocols, but um, uh, nevertheless the majority of facilities have been cited for inadequate infection control leading up to the pandemic. So it's you know that that's you know why it's it's been so devastating 
for residents is because the setting was just, you know, the, the, the oversight is so poor and, and facilities, you know, again, some of them are good, but for the most part, it's, it really is a matter of whether they take um, personal responsibility, whether they, they feel inclined, but if they don't feel inclined, if they're just looking to make money, there's nothing stopping them from shortchanging their care staff and therefore, you know, shortchanging their residents. And that's why, um, you know, it, it was a essentially a disaster waiting to happen. Is this just places that don't want to hire enough people? Is it staffing? Is it a lack of will? Is it a lack of care? What is it? Uh, I think it's, well, it, it, it's really a lack of will. I mean, there there are, and we you know, we've worked a lot of on, on the, the new standards came out in 2016, and I was on the federal work group that you know developed the guidance around those standards. There's a lot in the standards about making sure that the facility has has enough staff to meet the needs of residents and that people can live with dignity um, and not sitting in a dirty diaper, not developing pressure ulcers, not not being dropped on the floor and left there. Uh, but those standards are just not enforced. There's, there, there's very little citation, and that's especially true in New York and New Jersey. We've studied this. I personally have studied this over the years. And even when they are cited, there's almost never a penalty. So, you know, the industry is um, mostly for-profit. So if you, uh, if you tell a for-profit industry that, that, you know, you don't have to follow the standards, you're not going to face any penalty, then uh, unfortunately too often that industry will make the choice of to, to do what's easiest and what's most profitable. One thing Mollett and Assemblymember Gottfried agree on, the need for an independent investigation into these nursing home deaths. Oh, well, we absolutely need independent investigation. I mean, that's true. And, you know, whether I agreed or disagreed with the findings, uh, we definitely need a, an independent investigation. And, frankly, we, we really need, you know, multiple investigations. This is an ongoing, um, you know, problem, the pandemic. The, the data are, you know, being collected as we go along, and, and, you know, unfortunately the state has not provided, you know, a very robust information. I mean, how else can we know what has happened and be able to protect people in the future if we don't have the information about staffing and about outcomes for residents uh, during the time of COVID? And, and, you know, so we've been you know, trying to get the, the Trump administration to require better reporting and trying to get the Como administration to, to do better reporting. Um, you know, it's, it's come in bits and pieces, but bits and pieces uh, don't make for a good analysis. So, so we definitely need something independent, but we need it to be ro- as robust as possible. If we really care about residents and families, we, we need to have, um, you know, public information uh, as as to what has gone on, what were the underlying issues, um, you know, what happened to those residents who were in the facility, who left the facility, et cetera, so that we can, um, you know, as a society, whether it be on the state level or on the national level, you know, make make better decisions going forward. There's, there's no reason why why so many people had to die and suffer. What do you think of the health department's findings, its investigation? Well, I, you know, I, I think it, it's it's hard to say. It sounds plausible that they, um, uh, you know, based upon their, what they found, but there's, again, there's no, you know, the data have not been released publicly, uh, you know, the underlying data. So it's it's hard to say, but 
I think that, you know, it sounds plausible, uh, if their, their analysis is correct that the, uh, March 25th, uh, executive, you know, order to, you know, open up nursing homes to, um, or compel nursing homes to take in, um, residents that that didn't have the impact that people were concerned about. Of course, it's important to say we didn't know that. No one knew that then. I mean, that's, you know, thank goodness. You know, I think, I guess, you know, what that really says, it could have been even worse. But the, um, you know, if we had better staffing, if we supported our staffing better, as some individual facilities have done, um, those facilities didn't see the kind of outbreaks that we saw here. So, so yeah, it could have been transmitted by, by um, staff coming in and out, but that's because we pay staff such a low wage and the working conditions in our nursing homes is so poor. New York State is one of the minority of states without a minimum staffing standard. So we have amongst the lowest staffing in the nation and that, that makes that makes working in a nursing home very dangerous and it makes the working conditions so poor that people, you know, they, they, they either need the money or they leave uh, you, know, you know, they 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 need the money to support themselves, so they work in other locations and then come back into facilities. Or there's, a, you know, we have a, also have a high turnover rate because the working conditions are so poor. So all those things feed into, um, you know, making this. You know, whether it was a result of people coming in from the hospital or, as the department is saying, you know, the staff coming in, uh, irrespective of the March 25th directive. It um, makes for a very dangerous situation. It still doesn't change the fact that it's a very dangerous situation, much more so than it, than it needs to be. Yes, these you know residents are are vulnerable. They tend to be older adults. They, they obviously have medical um, issues. That's why they're in a nursing home. So, but that is you know that gives you forewarning that and a heads up that we need to be extra careful. Uh, and that gets the whole immunity thing. You know, not not to and and the fact that inspectors aren't going in and not really responding to complaints from family members. We need to have more oversight and accountability. We don't need to be giving nursing homes a holiday from from oversight and accountability just when residents are most vulnerable. We're hearing that occupancy rates in a lot of nursing homes are going down. That Mm -hmm. means less income for them. What concerns do you have about what might happen going forward, be it staffing or otherwise? Well, I think that you know when 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 you when you kill. I don't mean to be too too too. Uh, I don't want me to be obnoxious, frankly. But if you kill your customers, then um, it's it's hard to feel bad for you. And you know, and it's not true of all nursing homes. I want to be really careful because some of them have stepped up. But but a lot of this, even in nursing homes that were you know, supposedly the better facilities in the New York City area. Uh, a lot of them we had heard about for years of, as having problems, but they weren't being identified by by the Department of Health, so they still had high ratings. Um, and you know, and now you know they they've been decimated, literally, and some of them uh, in, in respect to their residents. So I think we you know, we need to clearly be rethinking how we're doing nursing homes, uh, and then, and we need to at least be be making some significant changes to the model of just giving nursing homes money and hoping that they'll 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 do do right because as we can see uh this has been very clear too often they won't uh so you know it comes you know they they have less of a census etc i mean you know 
part of it is their own, you know, largely, frankly, it is their own fault. If they had done a better job, if they had taken the precautions, then they wouldn't be in the situation they were. And I, I haven't looked at the facilities you hear about in different parts of the country that have, you know, individual facilities that have that really stepped up their staffing. And, and when when COVID was coming in March, and didn't have the serious cases, but I bet they're not suffering from 82% occupancy or whatever it is. I bet people want to go to them. The problem is no one wants to go to a nursing home because they're dangerous and unsafe. The state recently passed a law shielding a lot of these places from lawsuits. What do you think of that, and what is the impact? Well, I, I think I, I think it's a horrible idea. I think it's, frankly, you know, shameful that this was, you know, pretty, you know, evidently snuck into a budget bill uh, written by the um, provider industry, that you know, the hospital industry um, um, association and that it has been supported by the nursing home industry lobbyists, which are pervasive in Albany. I mean, they they really um, rule the roost when it comes to anything related to nursing home or assisted living care, uh, unlike in in any other state of which I'm aware. And so I I think that it's a, um, you know, it's left nursing home residents even more vulnerable than they were before because a potential of a lawsuit is really the last last vestige that we have when the state agency has failed when the nursing home has failed um to protect the residents the 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 specter of possibly being sued is the only thing that could possibly keep the the um a bad provider um you know to get them to do something uh, right get them to abide by basic standards of care and decency. And if you take that away, there's really no bottom, frankly. Richard Mollett also wanted us to mention his concerns about assisted living and adult care facilities, which have even fewer protections, he says, than nursing homes. Richard Mollett calls that the Wild West. As we record this podcast this week, the state legislature here in New York is debating the idea of a clawback in the legislation that gave nursing homes and other facilities blanket immunity from COVID lawsuits. State health officials said at the time it was the only way they were able to bring in emergency temporary health care workers in those darkest days of the pandemic. Also this week, the Trump administration announced a plan and $5 billion in funding to better protect the nation's elderly in nursing homes. We promise a follow-up on this topic, maybe a couple, in the coming weeks and months. This is 880 In-Depth. Our executive producers are Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Schell. Peter does all the heavy lifting in these great interviews, and I appreciate his partnership. We've heard from a few in-depth fans that they like these conversations and the topics. And if you like it, we ask you to spread the word. Frankly, a deep dive into a topic like this needs to be shared. Make sure you don't miss a week. Subscribe to 880 In-Depth wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, be safe. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.